boys and girls, children of all ages. One Man's Beat Podcast presents Acceptable in the 90s with Big Meaty Hooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooooo
Among the notable outcomes of the Oslo Accords was the creation of the Palestinian National Authority, which was tasked with the responsibility of conducting limited Palestinian self-governance over parts of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, and the international acknowledgement of the PLO as Israel's partner in permanent status negotiations about any remaining issues revolving around the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Bilateral dialogue stems from questions related to the international border between Israel and a future Palestinian state. Negotiations for this subject are centred around Israeli settlements, the status of Jerusalem, Israel's maintenance of control over security following the establishment of Palestinian autonomy, and the Palestinian right of return. The Oslo Accords did not create a definite Palestinian state and a large portion of the Palestinian population, including various Palestinian militant groups, staunchly opposed the Oslo Accords. Palestinian-American Edward Said described them as a Palestinian Versailles. But far-right Israelis were also opposed to the Oslo Accords, and Rabin was assassinated in 1995 by a right-wing Israeli extremist for signing them. In lighter news, Niall Horan, one of their One Direction lads, was born in Mullingar, County Westmeath, Ireland, and the charts and the box office placings remain unchanged from Saturday. Well folks, after a two-week absence from the USA Network schedule, as well as a month without a new episode as such, WWF Monday Night Raw returned to TV as well as to the Manhattan Centre in Manhattan, New York, on a live episode recorded on September the 13th, 1993. We are two weeks removed from Lex Luger's monumental failure disguised as a glorious victory, and we have a doozy of a match, as well as a few surprises that may not be for everybody. But we are on the road to Survivor Series, so let's get cracking on. As per usual, commentary for the evening is provided by Vince McMahon, the macho man Randy Savage, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. A pre-show dark match saw Bret Hart and Randy Savage defeat Bam Bam Bigelow and Yoko Zuna via DQ. And as per usual, our three-man booth run down the action, including the rules of our first match. Tonight. Will it ever? There will be new world 
Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, and they will be the Quebecers. Would you agree with that? I disagree. I think the Steiners are scientific wrestlers. They're not worried about these rules. They're going into the ring, the champions, and they're leaving the champions. Yeah. Well, let the games begin. Here we go with a tag team title matchup. So, I hope he took notes for those rules as we open proceedings with Jacques and Pierre, the Quebecers, who are challenging our WWF World Tag Team Champions, Rick and Scott, the Steiner Brothers, in a province of Quebec rules match. So, for those of you that weren't paying attention, the province of Quebec rules for this match are as follows. Stacked against the champions. Seriously though, Pile drivers, moves from the top rope and throwing people over the top rope will cause a disqualification. In addition, a count out or a disqualification will result in a title change. Poor Rick and Scott could fart and lose the titles essentially. Rick and Jock start for both teams. After some knee lifts from Jock in the corner, Rick ducks a leapfrog and catches Jock with a power slam before nearly clotheslining him over the top rope. This is going to be a theme for the match, which either adds drama to your watch or makes the eventual outcome more likely, depending on your thoughts. Jacques bails to the outside and regroups with Pierre for a bit of a cuddle. Pierre tags in and tries to stick his oar in, but also gets caught with a power slam from the ropes for a two count. Scott tags in and hits a tiger bomb for two before applying an armbar. Scott then hits a drop kick, applies a face lock and clubs on the future PCO but gets caught on a charge before Pierre hits a flying clothesline from the middle rope that gets two. Pierre stays in control with shots in the corner and an elbow drop for two, until Scott takes him over with a backdrop off the ropes. Jacques then runs in and gets taken down as the Steiners are back in control. Rick almost pile drives Jacques, but Scott intervenes so as not to get disqualified. We go to break and return with Rick running Jock through the middle rope following some rope rebounding action. Scott and Pierre come in and Scott applies a side headlock on the mat. Pierre then blocks a hip toss before taking Scott with a stiff lariat before hammering away on the back of his neck. Scott catches Pierre off the ropes though with an overhead suplex for two before using a single leg crab until Jock sneaks in to break it up. Scott manages to drag Pierre into the corner though and tags out with Rick now applying the same hold. The referee sees Jacques attack from behind this time as Rick reapplies the hold and tags out. The Steiners use quick tags to wear Pierre down as we now see Johnny Polo at ringside sporting a Montreal Canadiens hockey jersey that reads where the Quebecers Jacques and Pierre and I'm Johnny. Pierre attempts a middle rope suplex that Rick manages to reverse into a gut wrench of sorts as Jacques accidentally attacks Pierre attempting to break up the pin attempt. Both Quebecers roll outside as Polo, holding a hockey stick, huddles with the Quebecers before we go to break. The action returns as Pierre cheap shots Scott from the apron, which allows the Quebecers to show how they are the double team masters as they play all the hits from superstars plus more but an assisted Pierre splash from Jacques only gets two. Scott takes a double-team stun gun as the baddies stomp away on him, as the Quebecers continue to cut the ring in half with illegal tags and turnbuckle rope chokes, before Pierre gets a near fall with a Vader bomb. Scott and Jacques collide off the ropes, but Scott still cannot make the tag. Jacques then backdrops Pierre onto Scott, but the referee recognises that Pierre wasn't the legal man. 
Scott tries to fight back and tag his brother in, but Pierre goes after Rick on the apron. Rick beats on Pierre in the corner, but Scott gets dumped outside where Polo threatens to use the hockey stick. Jacques tries to turn over Scott for the Boston Crab once back in the ring, but fails, so Pierre comes off the middle rope with a leg drop. Rick runs in and tosses Pierre off the middle rope, and then Scott finally manages a comeback with a double clothesline, then makes the tag as Rick runs wild. Scott comes back in for a Frankensteiner as Polo gets a shot off the ropes as well for his trouble, but Jacques now has the hockey stick. The referee orders Rick back to the apron as Jacques tries to attack Scott while the referee's back's turned. However, Scott intercepts the stick and whacks Jacques with it right in front of the referee, who calls for the DQ as the Quebecers are the new tag team champions in 17 minutes and 43 seconds. And going into Raw, this result could have been seen as a shock victory, as the rule changes hadn't been announced. Furthermore, if viewers are just watching Raw, this would have been their first time seeing the Quebecers in action. Mechanically, the match was a little clunky in parts, but it kind of reads like Rick and Scott forgetting the rules until the last minute, so I'm looking past it for that reason. The match itself on the whole was a lot of fun, with some innovative, for 1993, double-teaming from the Quebecers, even though the Steiners stated in an RF video shoot interview that they thought their matches with the Quebecers were terrible and hated working with them. There's also some intrigue going into the reason why the titles changed hands, as Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter alleged that the title switch happened due to Vince responding to Rick and Scott feeling that the WWF hadn't lived up to their promises. Meltzer also alleged that the Steiners were reportedly pulled off of the booking sheets beginning on September the 24th for eight months, with initial reports showing that it was due to Scott getting suspended. I'll be sure to keep an eye on proceedings week to week though, as that sounds like BS. Anyway, this was a very good match to kick things off. We're back live, it's Monday Night Raw, Vince McMahon, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Bobby the Brain Heater. We said wrestling history was going to be made, but I didn't believe it was going to be made that way. Quebec province rules, can you believe the Quebecers, Randy Savage, are tag team champions? Thoroughly disgusting, and when you come up with a better word for robbery, then I'll talk to you. All right, Bobby the Brain Heater, I'm sure you're not going to tell us I told you so. Well, right? I'm not the kind of a guy to say I told you so. If I was the kind of a guy to say I told you so, I'd have to say I told you so. I might as well say it, I told you so. New champions. Let's go back up for more action. But we revert to type from now on, as Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig is out to take on Tony DeVito. Tony DeVito looks like my Auntie Jean back in 1997. <laughs> Sorry, you've caught me laughing at my <laughs> humorisms again. I do apologise and... None of you would even know what my Auntie Jean looks like, so that, that's a reason for you to watch this episode of Raw. Anyway, um, the fans are on Perfect's case from the very beginning as well. DeVito gets a couple of punches on Perfect in the ropes, prompting him to go outside and gloat to nobody. So Perfect chases DeVito around the ring and backstage before dragging him back and rolling him inside for some punishment. Perfect stays in control with punches, chops and clotheslines as the crowd chants Perfect sucks and we want Sean. A dropkick takes DeVito out of the ring so Perfect clubs him back in Seamus style before hitting a knee lift. 
Perfect then calls for the Perfect Plex, which draws some booze as Mr. Perfect gets the win in 2 minutes and 47 seconds. Well, Mr. Perfect's an angry little bollocks, isn't he? That smart New York crowd wouldn't have helped, but the way that he's been portrayed on TV lately, coupled with a less-than-classic match at SummerSlam, was probably the reason that the crowd have soured to him somewhat. I like Mr. Perfect. I love him even. But the guy needs to go away for a bit so that the fans can miss him enough to cheer him when he returns. Here is your winner, Mr. Perfect! Mr. Perfect with a victory here on Monday Night Raw! Yet to come, ladies and gentlemen, Razor Ramon is going to join us. And we might be able to get a word with the Quebecers because surely the Steiner brothers are entitled to a tag team rematch. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Ica Pro, you've got to want it. Tim! Gotta have beef, gotta have spice. Need a little excitement? Snap it to a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah! All right, Macho Man, Randy Savage, you were in the dressing room of the victorious Lex Luger at SummerSlam. It was unquestionably the, the biggest bittersweet victory of all time as Lex Luger won the matchup, did not win the World Wrestling Federation Championship. You were there in the dressing room when all of a sudden this Ludwig Burger had guts enough to walk right between you and a whole bunch of well-wishers and confront Lex Luger. Let's take you now to that historic footage in the locker room at SummerSlam. The atmosphere out there was... was Luger, I'm here in your locker room to tell you that I am not impressed with you. And I am not impressed with your friends either. And I'm certainly not impressed about the country you stand up for. Now let me tell you something. If you ever step in the ring with Ludwig Borga, I will crush you like America is crumbling, piece by piece. And I see you as the backbone of America. And if you ever step in the ring with me, I will break it. That remains to be seen, ladies and gentlemen. What a matchup that would be. An American original, Lex Luger against Ludwig Borga. So, I might as well face facts that Vince really wants Lex Luger to take on Ludwig Borger, whether we like it or not. But you have to make do with what you have, I suppose. I'm just going to say that the current in-ring product has spoiled my view, probably, of this product's time. And as Vince just mentioned, Razor Ramon is out to take on the Executioner, who is Dwayne Gill in a mask. Apart from being thrown across the ring... The Executioner starts strong with heel fire, including an eye poke that takes Ramon outside to be forced into the ring steps. But Razor soon gets the upper hand as the announcers talk about the Razor-IRS feud as Razor hits punches to rock the Dwayne Executioner. Razor then spikes in with a urinagi as Vince says that IRS will be on Raw next week. Razor stretches Gil out before putting him away with a super belly-to-back suplex off the top rope in 2 minutes and 36 seconds. 
After the match, Razor forgot that he hit the Razor's edge, so he does it then, as Vince says that IRS could be on the receiving end of that move sooner or later. And this match really just served to build the upcoming feud with IRS, which is fair enough I suppose. Dwayne Gill is a solid hand, who knew how to make a guy look good, so nothing was offensive to my eyes here. The fans in New York love the edginess that Scott Hall brings into the Razor Ramon babyface character as well, so that's good enough for me. Come on, hon. Wake up. What's wrong? Honey, it's been a really long week. I'm really tired. Mm -hmm. But it's only Monday. Monday. Oh. Feels like Friday. Honey, I'm really tired, okay? But it's only 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock? Monday? Whoa. Whoa! We are alive! What does she expect? Leave the guy alone. He wants to watch Raw. If you want to do some honey to break a sweat, why don't you do the dishes or run that back? Now let's go to Vince McMahon. Somebody else that needs something to do. Unbelievable indeed. Vince McMahon had already predicted here that wrestling fans would turn down a good shagging just as long as the graps was on. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome the newly crowned tag team champions of the World Wrestling Federation. Here are Jacques and Pierre, along with Johnny Polo, here are the Quebecers. This to me is totally unbelievable, they got the belts heated. Well, they beat the Steiners at their own game, taking advantage, that's what they did. And the kids sing. Come on, everybody. I can't watch this, I can't listen to it. Apparent manager Johnny Polo, what a shock. What a shock that the Quebecers are champions. What a shock that you are managing them. A shock? There's no shock. The Quebecers are the best tag team in the sport today. <laughs> oh, this is fabulous. We got champagne, we got women in the back. We're celebrating, McMahon. It's wonderful. Let me tell you something, Vince McMahon. The Toronto Blue Jays made history. The Montreal Canadiens made history. And now, for the first time in the world, two French Canadians are World Wrestling Federation. It's like Jacques gonna need shots. You may have reason to celebrate, but, but perhaps, Perhaps you won't be tag team champions for any great length because unquestionably, what about a rematch? I mean, Rick and Scott Steiner certainly deserve a rematch with the Quebecers. That's an understatement. Uh-oh, they're huddling now. They're coming up with something. This is a smart team, Savage. They're gonna make a lot of noise here. What about the rematch? We've decided that if one of the Steiners Unquestionably, Jack Tunney could order a rematch. If he does, I would suggest that it would be American rules, not province of Quebec rules. Well, if the Steiners were as good as they claim, they would be polished up when Quebec rules like the Quebecers are. But we have decided that if one of the Steiner brothers can beat one of the Quebecers, which obviously they can, then yes, 
they will get a title shot. Well, what about having that match here on Monday Night Raw? A lot of pressure on the Quebecers. Well, not really, if you think about it. They got the title. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What about it? Put them on the spot. They deserve a shot at the title. The least you can do is oh, a single match on Monday This is going to be interesting. This might right help them make up their minds. Let me tell you something. It took me. It took me. And it took Pierre seven years to get a World Wrestling Federation title match. I say no. All right, Johnny Polo, you're the manager. Come on, give it up. Wait just a minute. The single matchup, what about it? One on one against the stars. You want it right here on Raw next week? You got it? Yeah, we'll do it. It's done. Now, let me understand one thing. If the Quebecers lose one-on-one -on -one to the Steiner brothers, that guarantees a return title match with the Steiners. Yes, it guarantees it, but there is no way. In fact, in fact, it has to be with Pierre. It has to be with Pierre, the brute force of the tag team. All right, next week, ladies and gentlemen, Pierre one-on-one -on -one with one of the Steiner brothers, and if the Steiners are victorious, they get to return Stand is there singing, but I'll guarantee you one thing, one-on-one, -on -one, Steiner Brothers will get a rematch, guaranteed. So this debut pairing of the Quebecers and Johnny Polo is the absolute tits. Not only is the Johnny Polo cornball act better suited to these two, but he also seems to be putting the effort in. Jacques Rougeau as well is an awesome heel talker in his own right as well, in that old school kind of way that I really love. So it seems like the Steiners programme is going to continue for now, with obstacles attached for the former champs of course. But it can only last for the next 11 days, or Dave Meltzer is a liar. We get the early makings of foul-mouthed Scott Steiner too here, which is always nice. He just needs a blonde crop and drop foot, and there's a world title in his future. And after the break, Vince makes a big deal about how relevant his company still is, as we get a clip of Randy Savage and Bobby Heenan at the Jerry Lewis PBS Telethon. There are a number of WWF superstars on hand, ladies and gentlemen, in the recent 28th annual MDA Jerry Lewis Telethon, a record $46 million earned. Let's take you now to some footage with Bobby DeBrain and the Macho Man. I am a big fan of you. Oh, you're the one. Oh, I love you. I remember when you had that little puppet lamb chop. And the no, no, had... no, that's Shari Lewis. Come over here. Come over here. What the hell are you talking about? Well, they also re... sing great balls that of fire way... for me, will you? No, that's Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, Jerry Lewis. What do you do? What do I do? I'm a Jew in heat. What do you mean, what do I do? And Jerry was a good spot about it all, so that's nice. So, in what has felt like a really quick episode of action, we get our main event of the evening, as El Hayo de George the Animal Steel, aka Rich Myers, takes on Doink the Clown. Doink tosses a couple of confetti buckets at the crowd, as Heenan says it's funnier with water. Doink is also smiling way too much for my liking. Myers attacks Doink from behind before the bell, but Doink takes him down with a belly-to-belly -belly suplex. Doink stays in control with a beautiful German suplex as we now hear from Kona Crush, 
who is calling in from Hawaii, which must have been expensive. Crush says that he's going to return to the WWF with more intensity and power than anyone else, before technical difficulties, once Randy makes some encouraging comments, ends the call abruptly. Doink stays in control though as we lose connection with Crush, before Doink uses the whoopee cushion sit-down splash for the win in 2 minutes and 10 seconds. Then all heck breaks loose. Wait a minute, let's go, let's go back to... Hey, wait a minute, Doink has, uh, has, a, has another bucket here. Don't trust What's him. What's Bobby Heenan doing? Doink, just me. Watch it, Vince McMahon, he's going to bring him over here. Watch no, it, no, I know not. Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan is like trying to... Out of here. Hey, wait a minute. I don't need to see any more of this. Whoa, whoa, wait. See you later. Randy, don't, oh, you. don't leave me. Go ahead. No. You need a... No. 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 Doink. Oh, yes. 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 Go that way. Go that way. Go that way. We're in trouble, folks, because I believe it's going to end. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? That is unbelievable! Bobby the Brain has stepped in the... Bobby the Brain is... Look, look, here. Here's something. Now, wait a minute. Here. Here, take this. Here, here, take this. Take this. Here, something to drink. I'm sorry. Bobby the Brain heated it. Bobby the Brain hit him beside himself. Can't believe what happened to him. And listen to, listen to this capacity crowd here. Throw him a bar of soap. Bobby the Brain Heenan has been humiliated. He's a drowned weasel. Look at this. We'll be back. We are live, ladies and gentlemen, and a little bit wet. Everybody else is around here as well. We're having some fun. Oh, oh no. Render full. Doink the clown is, is coming back. Not there. Bobby the Brain Heenan is nowhere to be found. I don't need a shower. Doink is back over in this direction looking for. Oh. Hey, I got well, bad history with this guy. Okay. All right. Here we go. Brother. Go ahead. Let bygones be bygones. You know, you're not such a bad guy after all. Wait a minute. Is he? All right. How about that? <laughs> Doink the Clown, ladies and gentlemen, on his way back. And I must say, Bobby the Brain Heenan almost kicked the bucket. That was the greatest the thing I've ball. ever seen right there with Bobby Heenan, but I also saw the worst thing I ever saw, and that was the Quebecers winning the tag team titles. Good point, no question of that. And we're going to have a further word, ladies and gentlemen, on next week's Monday Night Raw in just a moment. Bobby Heenan was unbelievable. Exactly. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. It's all new, WWF King of the Ring from Game Boy and NES. No holds barred tournament action from Acclaim. And next week, ladies and gentlemen, I would suspect Bobby the Brain Heenan will return uh, after he dries up a bit. I hope he doesn't. 
Joining us next week, Bam Bam Bigelow, who will be in action. In addition to Bam Bam Bigelow, Mr. Perfect will return, along with Erwin R. Scheister. All of that, in addition to a great deal more, as well as a very special interview with the individual many consider truly the king of the ring, the hitman Bret Hart. And of course, one-on-one -on -one next week. We've got Pierre representing the Quebecers, and we have now, we just learned, Scott Steiner representing the Steiners. If the Steiners are victorious in single competition, that guarantees them the return title match they justly deserve. And if, in fact, they get the return title matchup, I'm sure it's going to be American rules. And what does that mean? Give the belt to the Steiner brothers and check out the video scope right now. He is all ladies and gentlemen, for more Monday Night Raw. Look at that. Oh my goodness, they've ruined Doink the Clown. The guy was still relatively sinister on Saturday. Talk about a quick change. The evil clown character has been great, almost compelling, and it appears to be the part that Matt Bourne was born to play, if you'll pardon the pun. To this angle's credit, Heenan was an absolute star, putting on a grade-A slapstick performance to make the turn mean something. However, the turn would have meant an awful lot more if Jerry Lawler was involved, as Heenan has actually been a massive vocal supporter of Doink. So why is he the one getting soaked? Sadly, we're also going to be losing the awesome heel Doink theme, so therefore, we now go to a special Final Thoughts. For one week only. In all fairness to what was presented, this episode of Raw was essentially a one-match show, but the match itself is a forgotten gem that is well worth a look. There's some storyline furthering with Crush, which was nice, but otherwise the show follows the format we've come to expect at the moment. A feature match, followed by some squashes, with an end segment to push things along. But nothing was particularly bad, even though the quick face turn for Doink was baffling. All in all, the feature match is worth your time, but the rest of the show was largely forgettable until the end. And what is the problem with this crowd giving Kurt Hennig grief? So, unsurprisingly, the match of the night was the tag title match. The Quebecers have been the out-and-out out best of the new teams that have debuted recently, showing good chemistry in the ring and exceptional heel work out of the ring. Hopefully the addition of Johnny Polo to the dynamic will work well. The Steiners didn't deserve to lose the belts either, so hopefully we get a programme out of this. The Star of the Night award is shared by the Quebecers and Johnny Polo, especially for the interview, but the largest part of this episode has been all about them. The highlight of the night was actually seeing a title change on Raw again, as it makes the show mean something when big things happen on the flagship show. And while it's not exactly a low light of the night as such, the quick face turn for Doink the Clown was a disappointment. This character is better suited as a heel, but we'll see how things go. So guys, we're not quite back to the normal format yet, as we have quite the weekend of action to cover. 
it's very WCW centric, but I will be back on Saturday to cover a Fall Brawl Go Home edition of WCW Saturday Night, while Sunday we'll have a review of WCW Fall Brawl itself. Therefore, have yourselves a fantastic week, and in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy, Meat Cider!